morning, saints. Morning, sinners. You know, when he sang that blind song, I thought it was on my benefit. I, I, had, I had no idea. God is just good, you know? God has got a sense of humor, for sure. Years ago, um, the church that I was at, we had a family retreat at Camp DeSoto for girls up at uh, Mintone, Alabama. Uh, a member of the church owned the camp, and so we could go up there in off times and, and use the camp. Uh, and, and Phil, the owner, and I were having a conversation one day, and in our conversation, uh, we were talking about how crazy life seemed to be uh, becoming, very fast-paced and crazy, swirly. Um, and Phil turns to me, and he says, you know, life seems to go by so fast. At my age, I guess we have this much time left. Think about that. Hmm. What a precious thing is this thing called life. Jesus acknowledges the preciousness of life and our time in it uh, in John 10.10 where he says, The thief comes only to kill, to steal, and destroy, but I come to give you life and life abundant. Brothers and sisters, the time we have here in this life is a limited resource. How much of it do we have left? How are we using that resource? Are we truly aware of this resource and that we're getting the most out of life, out of our time here? Turn in your Bible to Ephesians 5. Um, we're going to be reading Ephesians 5, chapter, chapter 5, verses 15 to 20, picking back up with Paul's uh, discussion. Paul has been reminding the church to set itself apart as holy. In other words, set itself apart as unique and distinct in the world. And as he nears the end of his letter to the, book of, uh, uh, to the church in Ephesus, uh, he's bringing a point home on a very personal level. Listen to the word of God, Ephesians 5, verse 15. Paul writes, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Now, our first tendency when we hear those words from Paul to be careful then how you live, we, we rush to our, in our minds to think, oh great, here comes another one of uh, Grumpy Paul's angry moral imperatives that we have to live life in a certain way and do certain things to be liked by God. And this is the furthest thing from the truth. 
This is the furthest thing from the truth. In fact, Paul is trying to get across, church, that we like to reduce our faith to a mere list of moral do's and don'ts because that's an easy list to keep. You can see where you are and where you rank. He says, however, though, our life allegiance to God in Christ is not based on those checklists. Paul is describing this morning that our lives in God are to be built upon intimate relationship with Christ. You see, the deal is this. When our lives are built on an intimate relationship with Christ, then the way we look at our life and the way we use and invest our time, that changes accordingly. There's a direct correlation between our love for God and how we invest our time. And this is what Paul's getting at today. Listen to the scripture again, but this time, let's hear it in a way for using it in our everyday life, for building a better relationship or a deeper relationship and intimacy with God. Um, I paraphrase this text. I'm not going to read the same one. It's going to be the same verses, but I paraphrased it. I did a word study on, on, this, uh, on these verses. And I'm going to give you my spin on Paul's words here in Ephesians. Paul writes, and close your eyes and listen. Hear the difference. Be mindful of the way you live and conduct yourself. Redeem every moment. Because we live in dark, swirly times, Do not live life as an afterthought. Seek to understand the purpose of God. Do not set your life adrift on the currents of culture with all of its self-indulgence. But be overflowing and filled with Holy Spirit. As you recite songs, say the creeds and spiritual songs, creating a godly rhythm in your heart, giving praise and gratitude for everything, all the time to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You hear the subtleness, the change? The notion of mindfulness has become a trendy thing today in our culture. Mindfulness is being, uh, in essence, is being aware in the current moment of your surroundings, of your feelings, how you're responding to other people. It is then choosing the appropriate response or understanding that feeling you have, followed up by another reflection on whether or not that was a good response. In other words, it's putting the brakes on life. It's putting the brakes on the moment. It's being very mindful and aware of all that's going on, how you respond to it, and then summarizing how your response was appropriate or not. That's mindfulness. The purpose is to slow us down in the world. The purpose is to slow us down and learn how we incorporate time that we have into the web of life that we possess. On one hand, mindfulness asks us to become very aware of how our thoughts and actions and feelings promote abundant life. And on the other hand, it reminds us to determine and ask if our actions, feelings, and responses are destroying life in ourselves or others. 
Mindfulness is a big deal. Now, the deal is the Zen understanding of mindfulness, which is so trendy and, and popular in our culture today, I hate to break it to you, uh, but the Old and New Testaments have been espousing the notion of mindfulness for several thousand years. This is not something new. In the Old Testament, we hear it when God tells the psalmist to be still and know that I am God. We hear it in the New Testament when Jesus pulls his disciples aside and says, very truly I tell you, You see, the call for mindfulness is in our own tradition. And sadly, we've abandoned it. And today, in Scripture, Paul is telling us it's time to pick it back up again. Paul is asking you and me, church, to live mindfully. He tells us to take hold, to handle, and to turn over every moment that we have in this time we share in life. How do we understand this gift of the moment from God to you to me? You see, Paul, he asks us to redeem every little moment. What does redeem mean? Redeem simply means to restore, to bring back the preciousness of that which was to begin with but has been lost. Paul asks us to redeem our time. Take it back and caress it, love it, care for it as a gift. And this leads us all to ask a very pertinent question, but, but Paul, why? So what? Why? And Paul quickly gives us an answer in verse 16. He says, the days are evil, or as I have paraphrased it, the days are dark and swirly. Friends, we live in chaotic times when we do not feel in control of our schedules, rules, regulations, our jobs our president, our Congress, or maybe even our health. Whether it's radiation treatments or dialysis treatments, whether it's taking a deposition or giving a deposition or going to jury duty, Paul is calling us to mindfulness and redeem, restore the preciousness of the moment. Do you have a depression? It's a call for you and me to be mindful of where God is in our deepest pain. Do you have to undergo the feeling of the cold and yet burning feeling of chemotherapy entering into your veins as it poisons the cancer? Well, brothers and sisters, that is a call to be still and remember that the pain Jesus experienced in his beatings and his floggings on the cross, he knows the pain you and I are undergoing. He gets it. 
He wants to redeem that pain, that brokenness. You see, when we encounter life in its dark swirliness, its chaos waters, when we face it head on, we will be less apt to blame God for what we experience. There is evil in the world, beloved. There is brokenness in the world. Seeking to tear down the good of God in your life and in my life and in the life of this church. The world has us asking, God, why did you send me this illness? God, why did you send me this problem? God, why did you give me this crummy relationship? And Paul, to the contrary, is reminding us that to live mindfully, when we live mindfully, we change the questions we ask God. Instead of, why did you do this to me, God, in our times of stress and despair? We call out to God in loving trust, show yourself to me. Where are you in the midst of this brokenness? You see, one question, asking God why you did this to me is conceding to hopelessness. Asking God to show God's lordship in our chaos, in our cry of, is a cry of hopefulness. This is how we live abundant lives, my sisters and brothers. It means becoming still. Verily, verily, I say unto you, discern the presence and purpose of God in the midst of the swirliness. And then Paul goes on, just a little bit more, and he reminds us, don't get drunk with the wine of debauchery. And once again, we want to go, here he goes again with moralizing, and he's not. Paul is talking about what is inside you of me. What are we full of? What makes us tick? He's comparing and contrasting debauchery with a life filled with spirit. On one hand, we can float upon the currents of the surrounding culture and become full of what the world deems important. At its very root, the word debauchery does not mean drinking and carousing. It means literally a life abandoned. A life abandoned. A life set adrift. And a life set adrift is one that is left to the currents of the waves without a sail or a tiller. The world, the waves, guide the ship where it wants it to go. Paul is saying it doesn't have to be that way. See, the good news, on the other hand, Paul says that instead of a life abandoned and adrift, we are to be mindful of God's presence with the filling up of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that when the swirly waves of life's difficulties are battering us up, when the red tide begins to make us nauseous, that we are able to return to the sweet cadence and rhythms of God in God's heart. Imagine a child sitting on the lap of his or her mother or father, and the child places their ear 
through the mother's breast. And as he or she listens, she can hear the thump of the heartbeat. And in the soothing heartbeat of the mother, the child begins to retune the cadence of their own heartbeat, and they become calm, comforted. And their heartbeat takes the rhythm of the heartbeat of the mother. Sisters and brothers, that's what Paul is asking us to do. Return to the cadence of God's heart rhythms. How do we do this? He says, we worship. Paul says we're to sing songs. Paul says that we're to remember those ancient creeds and those ancient prayers that you grew up with that you had to memorize in church because they are there for a reason and you can pull them out when you need them the most. Paul is saying that we are to sing hymns of praise and thanksgiving like we have this morning. And all of these are the ways in our worship that we call to mind the heartbeat of God and match our heartbeat to God's. It helps us slow down and look at the mindfulness of this moment. Beloved, in your worship at home, in the worship we have together as community, it is this worship that retunes the cadence of our hearts. It resets godly rhythms in the moment as we sing, as we say those prayers and creeds, as we offer praise music. All of that burrows down into the spiritual marrow of our bones and provide nourishment for when we're depleted. They are to develop a godly step and beat in our heart. Worship helps us to retune and calibrate the heartbeats as children of God to God. Now, metaphorically, Paul is laying out before us, you can either turn and set the cadence of your life to the Almond Brothers, I'm tied to a whipping post, or is your heart and your spiritual heartbeat rhythmically moving with blessed assurance? Jesus is mine. See, there is no whipping post with God. That's what the world tells us. God says, blessed assurance. Well, when I had that conversation with Phil Hurt years ago, we both agreed that we had lived this much. And we had to go. Now as I age and have to figure out which pair of glasses I'm going to use before I go to the doctor to get my eyes fixed... I realize I really have a few snaps left, if, if many. I, for one, brothers and sisters, want to live life abundantly. I want to live in the moment. 
I want to live mindfully. And to that end, I will remind myself this scripture. And I invite you in your heart to say it along with me. Be mindful of the way I live and conduct myself. Redeem every moment because we live in dark, swirly times. I do not live life as an afterthought. I seek to understand the purpose of God. I do not set my life adrift on the currents of culture with all of its self-indulgence, but by overflowing with Holy Spirit. As I recite songs, say the prayers, the creeds of our faith, the praise music of our life, creating a godly rhythm in my heart, giving praise and gratitude for God for anything and everything all the time. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Will you join me with that? Can we reset our heartbeats? Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, um, there is just so much that just um, screams at us that yanks our face away from you, away from your chest, that we can't hear or feel your heart. Lord, help us to live mindfully in this moment. Let us reclaim that wonderful Judeo-Christian heritage of being still. For Lord, life is a gift, and it's full of hope, even though the world says it's hopeless. Hear our prayers in Christ's name. Amen.